Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 17th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and this is part two of my interview with Chuck D, legendary musical artist, raptivist, as he said, as well as entrepreneur. And we had a lot to talk about in part one, especially about his career with Public Enemy and also the ramifications of COVID-19 and other social issues that are striking, especially the Black community. And for part two, we got into his experiences touring around the world, especially with his message that is not for everybody, for sure. So he talked about uh, some of the different unique circumstances that he went through traveling the world. Also, we got into NBA basketball. He's a major basketball aficionado, so he had some interesting things to say and had some great analogies as well on um, historical and current events with the NBA, especially with the season being halted because of COVID-19. And we got into, last but not least, hip-hop culture and we've discussed the artists that have been relevant throughout the past couple of decades so without further ado i'd like to get to part two of my interview with chuck d so here we go name a horror story you you guys went through with you know the resistance of your message that, that I, uh, uh, small stories i mean my phone would go dead every night in 1989 man but between 11 and 1 it was funny <sighs> dang I mean, how was the, yeah, bomb I, threats, all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, but when you travel around the world, man, I mean, you get tossed, lost, and forgotten, and you don't know what you're doing. Ooh, and wow, wow, it's deep. So you come in there, you come in there with the music. I just do the music, man. That's all I saw. I just, da, 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 da. I mean, I just recently played Jakarta, man, Indonesia. Mm. Yeah. Jakarta is very clear, man. Every government you go into, especially you go in the third and second worlds. They got something on the wall that tells you what you better not say or do. That's that's it. And there's no no negotiation. <laughs> you know what I mean? None. Last time I think somebody black that somebody saved is that Reverend Jesse Jackson saved that brother Andrew Goodman or whatever who was over in Iraq or whatever. His plane went down, and it took Jesse to go get him. That's a lot. That was in the '80s, man. Yeah. <laughs> You caught, you caught out there, man. You go, who you go, who gonna come? He's like, oh well, you know, you got Chuck D over there, so we're gonna see if you can give him amnesty. You better know who you talking to, what you dealing with. Indonesia, they were like saying, listen, profits are raised. We know all, you know, raised against the machine, public enemy. Listen, do your songs. Don't talk outside of your song. Try to comply for wherever you go. You go to Taiwan, they got a sign right on the front. You bring one speck of weed in there or any con- drug contraband, penalty is death, man. Yeah. We're yeah. going we're gonna to be like, like, yo, wait, wait. Yo, don't, don't, yo. He belongs to us. <laughs> <laughs> no one's saying that. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's why, that's why, you know, that's why when somebody tell me, and I hate to, and I'm not saying it's from a point of privilege. The amount of people, places I visit and and people I talk to and things I've seen and witnessed and experienced with my own life, mm-hmm. when a person who ain't been outside their state and everything is coming through their phones or whatever they, they might have read in their locale and they try to tell me about the world, I'd be like, I just be quiet, man. Mm-hmm. 
Because the first thing, yo, man, this world is crazy, man. And I'm, I'm, and my first thing is like, well, where in the world are you talking about? Yeah, it is, but like, what's, and, and, you know, and they might tell me about South Philly. And I'm like, okay. But the world <laughs> is another thing, man, other than your world. I always say your world and for what you see, but I've dealt with this world, bro. Wow. Yeah, so that's why, that's and the thing about the songs, the songs, the songs opened the place up, man. Us and Ice T was in the middle of, of, of Croatia, in the middle of a war, and they stopped the war for one day, so we could get down for everybody. Everybody showed up, mercenaries and all, man. Stopped the war and and Yugoslav with the former Yugoslavian Republic in 1994. And they was like, we're gonna stop the war. We was in Zagreb and they say, you know what, man? We call cease action. Everybody gonna come to the rap concert. Get up out of town. The next day is on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember back then Sarajevo and That's right. You know, Bosnia, Bosnia, Herzegovina and and uh, uh Serbia and, and Croatia. Like oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, Montenegro. Right. Yeah, yeah. Serious uh -huh. war. War. They stopped for a day, man. Next day they proceeded. We high tail about it, man. That's right. Quickly. Fight quick the fast. power means a lot of things to a lot of people all over the world. I know what it means to me. It's a, it's the second fight to power. From when the Isley brothers did the first one in 1975, which influenced me. Mm -hmm. But then somebody said, Yo, fight the power. And then I said, You don't know the first one? Then there's more to, to learning what you need to learn. But I ain't nobody rushing you. No. But if you come at me sideways and saying that, I'm not what you think I am. Then maybe that's true, but you don't know the depth of what I am then. But that's okay too. Sweet. But um, but yeah, like Africa. <laughs> wow. Africa is its own is its own dynamic, and and Africa is the future of the world. And I used to always say the future of the world and the future of rap music and hip hop is Africa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether we like it or not. I always felt that as far as black folks in the United States, we cannot survive if we don't connect to, this, to the diaspora. And if you don't know what the diaspora is and you don't connect to it spiritually, culturally, even if you want to choose religion or whatever, historically, you got to know that you're not alone, man. Right. Being in the United States of America, isolated in a quote unquote hood, now ISO means that you in the crib and can't come out. You can't think that you are alone, man. That's right. But what I'm telling you right now, is this too sophisticated for a person to mm -hmm. comprehend? Yes, it might, because I'm 60 and you might be whatever. And I'm telling you, I'm not 60 years old, up and born up in one neighborhood town, telling you my experiences from a square mile that I grew up in. I've been around the world for a reason for the last 35 years to be able to say that some sort of exchange with us in the diaspora is an idea for saving grace. That's right. Even when it comes down to medicines, when it comes down to war, man, when it comes down to things that we, we consider essential, man, you know, you left as a people out in the desert, but at the same time, you got to look at that desert and say, you know what? A cactus is in the desert for a reason, man. Because mm -hmm. cactus got roots that run deep. And so it might be very little rainfall, precipitation in the atmosphere, but the cactus is going to figure it out 
in order to stay a cactus in the desert. That's so right. As far as us as folk, our roots, when we actually realize our roots run deep, man, we figure out how to survive in any desert, man. Because mm -hmm. it's going to be deserts. There's deserts all around us and encroaching deserts, especially on us where we're living and our surroundings. There's, there's a desert and spiritual. There's a desert and mental. There's a desert and all those things like medical, housing, all this desert. And we got to look at the desert and attack the desert. And I say to him, make our demands that we don't want to be in a desert. But if it's a desert, you got you to gotta start getting resourceful and figuring out how not just you individually can survive in the desert, but figure out how there's things in the desert that can essentially kind of, you know, help your surroundings because you connected to your people. That's right. How much more connection can we do, can, can, can we do outside this box? Yeah. I always used to call the United States a box. It is a box, man. Yeah, it's a, well, I, I always call it the United States like a, it's a child compared to other nations and cultures and everything. We go, they go millenniums. US, the U.S. is a child and it acts that way. <laughs> when you yeah, think about it, 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 you know? it's a child. And I'm not just saying because of the years. It's not because mm. they, all right, it's been around for, what, 200 years or whatever, but mm. it's very immature. <laughs> immature <laughs> in its founding years. And a spoiled brat and just never ever really grew up anyway so right it ain't really a child i think that when i said this with tavis smiley once because tavis is a great guy i said man i told him i said by 2050 man the united states is so bloated with so many of its problems that it might not make it to 2050 and everybody was like oh, what are you talking about chuck be gone crazy as usual but it's like a big seven footer man a person like shack size mm-hmm when they get a knee sprain and an ankle sprain, it's a bigger problem than the six foot guard having it. So I mean that when you have these behemoth nations, mm -hmm. they worked well back in the 1800s because they was an assembly of different nations. That's what they call them, states. Yep. And they even had problems trying to get the states to see each other, you know? But in other places or continents, the states or countries so they kind of like closed off to whatever it is and they try to fix their small problem or their big problem in their small terrain. Mm -hmm. And if you got like 50 million people in a country versus 320 million people in a behemoth where the states ain't seeing each other and there's chaos at the top, the fallout affects us as, as people that stuck under the bottom of that. Deep. Wow. So the diaspora, the diaspora is the thing that extends your statehood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm from North Carolina, but you know I got my people like you know in Mali. Now I ain't going to Mali, but I know that I got this vibe going back, and that's when your 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 phone becomes not a toy, but it becomes more of a tool. That's right. Because you're using that interactivity and musicianship. We've already known whether somebody thinks it's purist or not you playing a part in the studio. Now let's say if you want to get Willie Weeks on it mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and you hit up Willie Weeks and he says, yeah, I got you, Bate. And he sends a baseline that you know that you could fit because you know your musicianship, you know your equipment, you know the technology, you're going to make it fit as if it's natural anyway. But it's the technology that didn't make you, it's your musicianship that makes it. And you will accept that somebody sends something to you virtual once in a while. You don't depend on it, but you can make that work. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. Virtuosity, man, when it comes down to relating to the rest of the world, you can make your, you, you can simulate a relationship and build on top of that. And right. I just think that um, the old ways kind of forgot ways on how to adapt. We know we're in the new century now, so it's only at adapting. It's, not, it's never going to go back to the old way. The why, the why is not going to go back to the old way because you ain't none of them people around, man. Mm-hmm. It's, you got it's, new people. So you go ahead, you can't teach an old way to new people for them to accept 100% of the old way. It ain't going to work. And, and speaking of that, Chuck, like the fact that you, we were talking about earlier how you saw things, you were a step of ahead, seeing things like in 87, you, you were in, in the industry, it was 87, it was just record, you know, tape sales, CD sales, you know, it was albums, like basically that's what it was. 45s. 45s, right. And then as the industry went into the turn of the century, you had streaming, you had uh, uh, downloading, and, and you had like uh, pirate MP3s, and, MP3s and, all that. Yeah. and all that. You saw that ahead of time. How were you able to keep track to know each time, each year, to know what was ahead and, and implement that and to help you become such an entrepreneur and, and, and such, a, um, such a presence in the music industry? I ain't no businessman. You know, people tell you that a rapper is a businessman. No, you, you have business people. Um, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a curator. I'm a musicologist. I'm a raptivist. Those are the things I am. When it comes down to business, it's, it's a simple fact of the matter. It's like, I want to get my creations to somebody on the other side. I got to go through a businessman, business prop, uh, property, intermediary. That's just all the things in this. It's in the middle. So you got to navigate through that. I'm not, I'm not no Copernicus. I mean, you, if the tree is leaning, you know the tree going to fall based on the gravity, or sometimes with black music, Nick gravity that's going on. So when it comes down to it, it's like, we've seen this. It's like, how do I make all, I'm making my music. I'm not trying to go through every little, I'm trying to do like a collab and why I got to go through these companies to get to these people that want it. So the internet came out and was like, perfect. It's like, I don't really need you. But we have to build a structure that's able to, to be realistic and it was MP3 in 1999. And then also, uh, to make a bigger story, I, at, a, at that time, I also recorded with Prince that same year, 1999. Go figure. Yeah. And, Prince, and Prince also was in the forefront of saying that I don't really need record companies in my way to get my music to people. Right. He didn't, Prince never got a full grasp on the wild, wild west of it because he wasn't about to let his creations just be any anywhere at any time for anybody so he did want to be able to control that just like um metallica did, did too mm-hmm. but the the and the, so they they had questions for the intermediaries so they were all always battling that but me i was like i know the intermediaries are going to be there i'm a small fry compared to metallica and prince as far as the volume of work that stuck with these companies so I'm gonna go around it. I'm sampling, and I'm gonna. I'm just gonna, I'm, you know, I'm a gunslinger, man. So that's how <laughs> I'm gonna go around it. So you can't pay attention to intermediaries, like, well, this is my music. Well, yeah, it is your music, but some of it really ain't. Although you put it in different ways and all that. So, so know who you are, man. 
I mean, lawsuits that happened before, they wasn't, they wasn't by me. It was by people that co-wrote the song with me. So like the whole Biggie lawsuit, that was mm. a co-writer that said, well, I ain't got money like you, Chuck, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my, you know, I, I want it. So they going around selling 10 million records. I want my money for 10 crack commandments. I was like, well, hold. but then they look at you like, well, I guess you're going to be hitting me off then. I'm like, nah, I got my percentage of my song. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. But the same thing with uh, Justify My Love with Madonna, Madonna. and Lenny Kravitz. I didn't call that lawsuit out, but I'm a co-writer with mm-hmm. the other person who's a co-writer. They might say, well, Chuck, you cannot call them out, but they don't know me from shit for shit. I know I'm going after them. So like, you get wow. caught up because you... I've never done a song by myself. So my attitude of sampling and how I just let it go is not shared by somebody who I might share a song with. But but Ten Crack Commandments, that was something that I remember, you know, the message of the song. It you know, it was stated you stated that you, you I know. disagreed. I, yeah, of course. I hate mm-hmm. I hate drugs and I hate, you know, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I attack them both. Mm-hmm. But also Biggie was a rapper, man. And I said, well, and Premier did the music. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I looked all the way on that because this is what we do. We take things, but Miles, the co-writer, wasn't feeling that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And now, now, Chuck, you've collaborated with, I mean, everyone from all spectrums. I mean, the Godfather and Sons film that I yeah. love, that Mark Levin, my guy, Mark Levin, great, yeah. great, great people, you know, and, uh, and, and, and also, you know, working with Anthrax and working with Prince and work, just, yeah. it's been the whole gamut. And that's what, what Public Enemy is all about from what you were saying and talking about knowing what music and what it entails and how it, is supposed to hit you, you know, but yeah. now what's, what's the collaboration that the person or group you never got to work with that you wish you worked with? Bobby Blue Bland. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes. Indeed. I heard Bobby Blue Bland wanted to do something with me one time and I could never catch up with him. Oh, this is back ah. in the day. Yeah. Right. 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 Wow. Wow. I don't, don't ask me why, man, but I just, when I heard that, I was like, man, it'd be dope to do, you know, do something with Bobby Blue Bland. But, but here, I, later on, they did a, do- a documentary called Take Me to the Rivers back there. And he actually got on, and him and Yo Gotti did a record together. So that okay. was kind of like, that was like a fulfillment of a dream. Yes, yes, sir. Wow, wow. Now, now with hip hop, you, I want to go back to when you said about hip hop, um, how there was more collaboration with groups and with with artists yeah. you know number one it was organic number one you had groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bomb squad was a group for a group that was a music group yep yep groups mm-hmm. i mean once you start i mean look, even enemy radio is a group people didn't notice like yeah it's a group within a group mm-hmm. but i mean people are not used to seeing one-man artists and one-man producers and you know, so yeah, collaborations are a way to kind of simulate groups because you have a lot more collabs right now. I have rapstation.com, a 10 channel station, inter network, and uh, it's been in effect as oh, an inter network ever. five years. And yeah. but and you don't stop radio show and collabs. I have a, a collab section every week, it's called Spit of the Week, where artists kind of group up. And they do a collab. They fly their verses or they might do it live in one studio or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
but spin of the week is like when artists collab and they all you know all spin on a on a record together mm-hmm. we did that for the first time in uh 1989 where i had to get ice cube and big daddy kane on the same record and it was hell at first yeah. i had enough i had enough clout in the record company at sony at the time that, that kind of like make it happen but big daddy Kane's with coachella and that's warner brothers that was entirely mm-hmm. another major yep and then you had cube who's with priority priority yeah that, that distributed uh his solo record and also NWA, mm-hmm. Brian Turner, and they would and their distribution with that thing at the time through Capital. So you mm-hmm. had to get lawyers for this collab to happen. And then I know after we busted the floodgates open with that, it was all all gravy. But it was a difficult thing because the majors were warring at each other, the six majors at the time. And we got that. Now was got that one, to work. two, right? Two majors. That's it now, right? Basically. No, like, it's just big brother. This is Big Brother. <laughs> they all led up to Big Brother, man. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and Chuck, I mean, now I want I wanted to uh, to to speak with you about something like you know, uh, the producers. We're talking yeah. about you talk about those producers as just one man bands for one man shop, pretty much. Which producers, though, solo producers that really to you are close to that diversity musically, sonically, and also creatively. Which which producers, solo producers that you feel like that, they're like, okay, he really has an understanding of the culture. Oh, DJ Premier. I've been wanting to work with DJ Premier since the 90s. And, uh, and he's just one of the best people ever. Matter of fact, we was on the other side of that whole Ten crack commandments. Exactly. Day. Yep. We was on opposite sides of that. Remember, <laughs> we were we were hit the crazy thing by thing. We were on tour together, smoking grooves tour, and I was telling Premier because we had Gangstar on that tour. It was mm. us, Gangstar, Buster Rhymes, the Flip Mode Squad, Wyclef Jean, and, and his whole movement, mm. uh, which had cannabis and it, it was. I mean, and Cypress Hill. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and also the beginning of Black Eyed Peas. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. When they were b-boying, yeah, b-boying. Yeah, stuff. right. Five. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I am, mm-hmm. and and so every day, you know, me and Primo be breaking bread, having a good time. But at the same time, in the background is that that lawsuit going on, and I'm just like, man, Primo, I'm just trying to get to get it to stop, man, whatever. And it ended <laughs> up being a BMG versus Universal Polygram type of thing, and I'm like. But like I said, you know, I'm attached to the hip with the other songwriter. So I'm promising Primo, like, I, yo, man, I'll make this thing go. I'm sorry that, this, that you got caught up in it because they're holding Primo up. So it was, it was, but ever since then, you know, we, we went, that was the one incident that was a rough road for, for, for both of us without any intention. So um, the reason I say Primo is because, uh, and I told him this a couple of days ago, I said, bro, I've I've played 51 Primo produced records in the last five years on my And You Don't Stop radio show and rap station in the network. He that don't catalog, stop, man. That catalog. Oh. Man, he don't stop, man. Yeah, and think about his diversity of where he's going to come. One thing he says, you know what? I do this, and I'm doing it in Primo's way. Yo, Chuck, I love this. I do it. And, um, you know, 
And the thing about it, he's never left the love for that boom bap. But he's way more than that. I mean, he's an accomplished musician as well. That's right. But he's, he's I, I love him for the fact that if he's going to bring up a sound from 92, he's going to do it and not have a problem with it. I love my guy C-Doc, mm-hmm. C-Doc David C-Doc Snyder, because I think he's a fan of all these producers over the last 30 years, especially. And he's finally refined himself of where he wants to be as a music maker. That's right. His own sound, his own voice. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed, of course, the Bomb Squad I'm a part of. I enjoyed making very hard ass records with Gary G. Wiz. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed um, uh, Ninth Wonder. Yes, I enjoyed Jamla, like, the whole Jamla movement. Yes, yo. him in crisis, him in crisis. Woo. Yeah, I mean, right now we have a station on Rap Station called Rap INST where we play producers and we tell them, why well, even wait for an MC? Do your particular thing. I, I like producers who go outside the speed and the element of hip hop and just just dare to be crazy with it. And um, there's a lot of people out there in the world, because producers are like artists, many of them out there that, that are really taking it to the task. Uh, right. um, you know, uh, you know, America God's away. Mm-hmm. Great remixer, great producer, guys like Marco Polo. Oh, of course, and, yeah. And, and um, you know, I mean, you know, like I told you, LP, Run the jewels. That's uh, Run the jewels. LP, L- L- LP is a lower sonic aficionado. Yeah, and company flow. That was and and his flow is crazy. You know yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah. See, oh. when you're when the same thing I say about C Doc, when you could spit and you also making that music, mm-hmm. you kind of know some corners and nooks and crannies that that a lot of cats are gonna kind of gloss over. You know, so mm-hmm. that that's good. I mean. Right now, your producer is, is, and then DJ Johnny Juice have worked with, yeah, who I, who's a turntablist. So, um, your producer is like, if they're a producer of music and beats, how many other machines do they know? Do they know any musicianship? Do they know engineering? Because sometimes a musician and an engineer is two different things. And you yep. might get somebody who's a hip hop producer, but they don't know engineering. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, a lot of producers, one man producers, who might engineer, you know where they you know where they make a, a mistake at? They make a mistake in mastering. Right. But sometimes you got to give another ear. You, you got to give another ear your mix and another ear your master. And Have some to. of them could pull off their own mix. But then, okay, can you pull off a master? And then what did you not hear when you mastered versus your mix? Uh, and sometimes people are just going to give it to you and they're going to have their technique down. So a guy like Premier has his technique down where he's able to engineer, mix, master, and also create. And, and a real DJ, too. And, and a, a real, real DJ. DJ. Right. Mm-hmm. He DJed on a tour that I was on last, uh, last year called the uh, Gods of Rap. Yes. Enemy Radio was on that, and uh, Premier was the DJ. Wow. He introduced me to Tums. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So that was the first time you had Tums. <laughs> Never had Tums, man. I tried not to eat after eight anyway, but, you know, you were, your time zones flip. You were in another spot. 
and I'm going to go to sleep. But I'm like, you know, what is this? You know, I'm, you know, 58, 59, you feel a little bit, you know, you're not supposed to eat past a certain time, but okay. <laughs> and then I, you know, I knock on Primo's door and he says, hey, have one of these, man. And he introduced me to Tums, man. <laughs> well, and Chuck, and now I, I got I to gotta ask you a question. I got to ask you because, you know, you're a Bebop, uh, B-ball fan. I said Bebop, Bebop fan too. But this is when we B-ball. sort of met for our second time. Me and yes. Bate met for our second time as he was the engineer of NBA Today. Producer, my favorite sorry. radio show. Who's the MVP? Giannis or Braun? Who is it? Who is it? The MVP right about now. Is Sam Jones <laughs> from the 1960 Boston Celtics? Because <laughs> uh, Celt- I'm telling you, they getting as much air- they get they getting as much airtime on YouTube and NBA. That's right. As LeBron and Giannis, so it's all equal in the NBA right now. Bar- Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith getting as much court time as Giannis. LeBron, <laughs> you know, do league pass. League pass. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they do league pass, man. Come on, man. It's like, what's the difference, man? It's like even in music. It's like somebody come out with music today, and you still got Jimi Hendrix. The reissues out, and the reissues. You, well, I was gonna say, well, they ain't got it. when you put out music, right? Seriously, you put out music. Yep. Yep. Seriously, you got like Sonny Rollins that's alongside of you. So you and Sonny Rollins, or Sonny Rollins is still living and still playing right now. But you could take somebody like Clifford Brown and he's still in the conversation. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He sells more than I do. And he's been he's still in the conversation, Clifford <laughs> Brown. And so welcome to the, the world we live in, basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now they know. Now they, now know. they know. It's like you know, you look on YouTube and you seeing like they showing the nineteen eighty six NBA Finals and stuff like that. And like yep. it's all the same right now. So all all I know, Bate, is that champions for another year, the Toronto Raptors. That's right. That's right. That's right. And Kawhi still the, the, the reigning finals MVP. <laughs> but Kawhi, I know he's upset because he won't be able to go for that third finals MVP with a third team. Him and Braun, that's what they that's what they were aiming for, both of them, because that's history right there. Well, they got plenty of time to rest up. Yep, that's true. And guess what? And the Nets could come back with Durant and Kyrie because now ne- <laughs> they get it healthier. Steph will be back. That's Steph right. will be back, mm-hmm. and Clay they, will be back. But but they but they out of it. Come on, Chuck. They out of it. You know. I don't <laughs> think the season. Bate, I don't think the season's coming back. Whoa. Oh but, man, I'm but, trying but, to tell you now. But what, man, what do you? Th- yeah, you I'm, think I'm so? I'm telling you now, right now, man. I, you know, we in the concert world. Me and you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To get people in the room, man. There's gonna be a whole bunch of. I mean, they might run a, a tournament and stuff like that, but. Getting people in the room, man, ain't gonna really be happening probably to 2021 with, yeah, maybe November, December, but getting people in the room. So, yeah, they might do some isolated stuff, but is that the same? Mm. Wow. Maybe they should just start the NBA December and say, you know what, this season was a wrap. Or maybe they could do a round round uh, tournament or whatever, but. 
<laughs> How weird is that? And, man? and they have to you be have in a bubble, nobody... like in the bubble, like only one or two cities that they can play in, because you got to have the teams together, because it is because this whole making sure no one gets infected, <laughs> being all over. I don't, the I don't, I, bro. I don't <laughs> know if you, I don't know if you're a baseball fan. When Roger Maris hit the sixty-one, right? What did they give him? They gave him an asterisk. That's right. Because Babe Ruth played one fifty-four and he played yep. one sixty-two. Asterisk season. This yep. is an asterisk season, so nobody ever is going to include it as. I mean, they like when when the NBA had the lockout, even they had to go through the playoff system. Mm-hmm. But this is like this is the asterisk, man. Wow, but 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 if Bron but if Bron Giannis, who was the better player this year it was of the season? You know, until now. Well, you know, Bron was showing out, man. Bron mm-hmm. wasn't going to go through like what he went through the year before, man. And here, he had the groin injury, and now the whole league had a groin injury. I know he must be like, I mean, I know he's a dude that says, yo, I'm blessed. And I just recently watched um, Brian and Maverick Carter's uh, uh, movie, or Madam C.J. Walker. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful to see them as executive yeah. producers. That's what, yes, a story that needed to be told. Yeah, I had a good time seeing that. So, yeah, so they, I know he's blessed and they're blessed in what they're doing. But I know, you know, Brown is like, damn, man. So two years. It makes, it makes people really seriously not take for granted that dude went eight NBA finals in a row. <laughs> right. You know, and, and guess what? And that's what's crazy. No other player has come close to that. And then every and then all the other players that have done that were on one team. The Celtics, late 50s to the 60s. Like, that's, well, I tell you, that's, that's crazy. Right, that's, that's right. It's the same MVP right now. Sam Jones. <laughs> you know what? But also another Jones. James Jones made eight in a row, too, with Braun. You know. <laughs> all right. James Jones is there. James Jones. He's doing a great job. Uh. Uh, with Phoenix as the general manager, outstanding. They made a nice little boost this year. Speaking of Eddie Johnson, you know, yeah. like a nice boost overall. So with Devin Booker, re- I mean, he's really maturing into like a, a complete player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a Knicks fan. I want to see us get it done the right way. And and that's what I was about to ask you. What do you think of their their hiring of Leon Rose? They're trying to follow the Bob Myers uh, and Rob Palenka footsteps of getting an agent and also Steve Stout working on the quote unquote brand. What's your take on that? Because the, the that roster is flawed and it has a long way to go <laughs> you know, overall to be able to build a team like that. What What's your take on what I'm they're not, trying to I'm do not right a, now? I'm not equipped or qualified to talk about, <laughs> about <laughs> another field of work. I'm just a fan. I just think that, you know, and I'm a, you know, all this marketing and branding and all that stuff, if you don't find the right chemistry, the right coaches, I mean, I mean the right coaches and, and the right players, it's like you got to find the right player and the right coach and to live in New York. New York is a whole nother animal, man. You get melted, man. I call it microwave square garden, man. <laughs> Yo, man, you can't bring no sensitive people up in there, man. They dance yeah. a different animal. It's different from playing, like, even in Brooklyn, man. It's like, cats got to go in there, man, and almost, like, not care about where they're playing. 
but I also got this back in the mind. I'm in New York, so I got to deliver. But they, I think there's too. I think it gives them too much pressure. So I think the Knicks always need a different type of player. They always need a different type of manager, a general mm-hmm. manager. I think they need different type of coach. I think to understand that in New York, there's most people ain't gonna be able to play there, man. That's that's real, and and the fact that. They have been able to get, I mean, the biggest free, agents, free agent they've signed was Amari Stoudemire. And I give him credit for wanting to play there, but then the knees, you know, the injuries uh, came yeah. about with him. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just hoping for the best. So, I think about when you start talking to me about, you know, other teams, I'm like, I don't care. I care about my Knicks. Yeah, dude. And I just think when a team wins in New York, man, it's based on like people being a fan of their effort as opposed to thinking they're a blue chipper. Yeah. And Chuck is crazy. Remember back in the 90s, like I would always complain about Patrick and the Knicks falling short and doing this. I would dissect what they did wrong. But God, I would live for those days again, like to contend every Pat Riley. Pat Riley is one of my all time favorite dudes that I've never met. Coach, oh, whatever. He's a good. He's a good guy. I, y'all will get along beautifully, Pat. Man, I just listen, man, because my thing is like this: Pat Riley, when he came to the Knicks, right? He just brought that thing to the Knicks, man, and changed his whole thing. He said, "Look, right? I know I was in L.A. and I was this type, but he's a good dude that understood that I gotta, I gotta form this team in this city this way, mm-hmm. and um." You know, yeah, he's a dude. He's an upstate dude, man. He's connected to the area. That's so. right. That's right. And a, and a tough and a tough nosed player back in his day when he played with the Lakers and Suns. You know. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Pat Riley. Pat Riley's like the Forrest Gump of the NBA, man. Because all the things he's been through, the whole thing, the Lakers, uh, uh, um, sixty nine win season with Wilt. Um, that's then yeah. through the Texas Western Kentucky game on the other side. That's right. Um, <laughs> the Showtime, the Magic Johnson game was mm-hmm. uh, Kareem, where he's a rookie. Yep. You know, I mean, the dude, man, come on, the LeBron stuff, the the the, the Knicks and the Heat of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's Showtime. He's like the he's like the Forest Gump. You can follow the timeline of Pat Riley and get damn near like half of all the exciting shit in the NBA. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And the fact that he was able to get LeBron because all those other teams in 2010 weren't yep. talking about rings like Riley was. That's all he talked about, rings. And that's what got LeBron there and started started the the, the big three. And He and- got he got the Knicks started with understanding that you got to be a different type of player you gotta have a different type of thing, and and Knicks, Knicks have never even stepped up to understand that science. I mean, Van Gundy came out of Pat Riley, oh, Riley so school. he had some of that. But the Pat Riley introduction is saying, "This is how you gotta be in New York," and that you know, yeah, Knicks had Ewing, we had the blue chippers, mm-hmm. but then he brought in guys, man, that was made for New York scrap guys like Mason and Starks, and right. he would have, I mean. I mean, these guys that he's like saying, damn, man, who would they? And then figure out how they blended with the blue chippers. So I think that somebody should understand that there's going to be a blend that's going to work for the Knicks instead of us just stacking a squad. Because stacking a squad ain't never happened. Ain't never happened right for us. And and no. James and Jim Dolan, like, uh, 
I mean, is he, he the blame? Is he is he to blame? The full blame of what's going on? If he was, what you gonna do about it? <laughs> right, right. He ain't That's saying. What I'm saying. Like, 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 like Spike said to, to Denzel in, in Mo Better Blues. Bleak, I'm not selling. I'm not selling no, on the national. <laughs> That's like being mad at Apple. I'm mad at you know me. I'm mad at <laughs> Apple every once in a, six or eight months. Like, come on, man. What the? But then. It's Apple, man. What, what I'm gonna do? I mean, I'm never gonna go over to Microsoft, or I've never, I've never touched an Android, a PC in my life, man. So when <laughs> Apple, you know, comes up with some uckery, man, then I'm like, yeah. I, I, all day I end up saying it's like, yo, man, when Steve Jobs was there, he didn't have as many mistakes, you know. But yeah, man, I'm just a talking head, man. <laughs> I need my computer to work right. So I'm at the mercy of Apple. That's the same thing with a Nick fan being mad at Dolan, man. It's like he ain't giving up. A, the dude owns Madison Square Garden, man. Yeah. And Nick's on just one team there. He's yeah. got showcases, you know. He's got, you know, the Rangers. He's got a whole bunch of things in the garden group. So he ain't giving that up. Yeah, that's that's. And anybody sure. trying to expect him to sell because to they want a Nick season. The Knicks right. are just one thing that comes through there, man. He's got right. what? He's got cable. So yeah, cable vision. Away yeah, from optimum, Dolan, optimum. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm gonna give up my optimum subscription and make Dolan feel my pain, my feel some pain. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> this is where you? the ISO, the, the ISO um, painting is coming, and I'm gonna highlight it next. I, these are my tools. It's my brush. Uh huh. Uh huh. That. You know, see this white out. Yeah. Yeah. White okay. out pen. Um, occasionally I will use a Sharpie. Mm -hmm. I might use a ballpoint pen sometimes. And then, um, well, yeah, washable paint. Yep. And yep. then I always have, you know, this, you know, but so I work out of watercolors and then I take pictures of it with the <clears throat> iPhone. And then I go, <laughs> sometimes I go filter, sometimes I don't, but, uh, yeah. Have you, have you thought about doing, um, an exhibit? I've done some exhibits, but more and more oh. before I go into exhibits, I'm going to actually do books, you know? Okay. So not all my, all my artwork is gone. Sometimes I have some aliases and stuff like that. So oh, okay. I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to get famous. I'm just looking to deliver the art. Wow. Okay. You want to share those aliases just to let people know to see it? You know, nah, nah. No, not really. <laughs> okay. A lot of them are like, I mean, I come from a time, man, where, we did all kinds of artwork, man. And like, I right. come from the seventies, man, where, you know, you, you did comics or you did erotica, you did a lot of different art. So mm -hmm. I don't think people are sophisticated to understand artwork because they're not taught the arts as much anymore. Of course. It's like you, you're a musician. Mm -hmm. And what you do is really at a very high, high level. And then people are like, well, I don't understand what he's doing. So you go through a very difficult move on, on your instrument and they don't notice it. You're like, you got you. You you have to tell yourself, oh, I don't. I can't even teach you how difficult that move is mm -hmm. that I just did. So you're gonna have to educate yourself and maybe catch up to me. Yeah. Wow. Not right. You, yeah. For sure. And that, and that's and that's that's what it is. Because we we can't we can't go down. To me, we gotta keep right. elevating. And and people, if they can't elevate with us, then no, nah, forget it. You know, <laughs> got to keep, keep it moving. Yo, bro, you got to keep it moving, man. That's right. Because the ones, that are the, the ones that do get you, 
when you keeping it moving, you got to keep it moving for them. It's like, yo, man, so you, sh- you keep showing your elevation. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and, and Chuck, one more thing I want to do before we go. I, yes, I want to get your opinion because, you know, me being a hip-hop, I'm a hip-hop aficionado and, you know, grew up loving Like, if it wasn't for Public Enemy, Public Enemy and BDP, those two groups got me into the, got me into the music for sure. And, right. and, and I wanted to ask you, I'm going to name like a, you know, a few artists and I want you to give me your opinion on those artists, you know, and what they're about. Sure. In your opinion, cause uh-huh. you're a historian. Now, Coogee Rap. Incredible wordsmith has that ability to keep it going on a verse. Talib Kweli got the same qualities, man. I call it tumbling dice. That's right. That's hot. It's like dominoes falling down a flight of steps. You get them started on the first line, and they'll keep rolling it out. Wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, future. Um, I like the fact that he knows how to get the best out of his tricks, technology, but I think also MCs got to also keep working on themselves outside of the crutch of technology. So as even I used to say that same thing about auto-tune and T-Pay. You got to come up out of the technology, sometimes with a natural voice. That's how I feel. Um, I think his topics are, are relative. But the test is not with anybody else outside of his demographic to test future. It's the test of future being able to continuously wow his demographic. Yeah. So, I mean, I look, at the end of the day, the people that are turned on by your art have to continue to get turned out. If you're not turning them out, it ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. You got to turn out the people that say they, they dig you. Turn them out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of someone that keeps turning it out, Drake. I like Drake's versatility. And I think that's one of the things that made him come to the table and, and be known is he, he's very versatile. Uh, and I, what I liked about Drake, especially in the beginning, he didn't hide his intelligence. That's, a, that's, that's, that, that's big with me. You're not hiding how smart you are. That's right. Yeah, you're not, you're not watering it down, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's, to me, I think that's uh, the testament of somebody who's really passionate about what they do you know you're not trying you're not trying to apologize for your uh, for your smartness mm-hmm. yes indeed now griselda griselda records from buffalo yeah they 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 touched on some t- some some throwback sensibilities of like mm-hmm. well in ways that rizzo was trying to do things a little hardcore they come with a little bang bang putting a little capital b on buffalo i like what they're doing, because they got to do what they got to do. I love what the Mellow Music Group has been doing. They always gonna release something that's gonna be diverse and straight up hip hop diverse out of the box. So I think Griselda Records is making, trying to make a, a hardcore street impact. And I think they, they're catching on the people who kind of grew up with that, saw that disappear and kind of feel that same sensibilities. I like to see Griselda also touching some other areas of, of other aspects of, of life, but they, they, they're getting a name for themselves. 
I, I don't like to fall into any kind of like, oh, they're getting the chalk because they're the most re- uh, dangerous independent record label right about now. I, I think it's like it all boils down to like how you really chasing people and away and applause when when you showcase your artists and, and they leave the, the venue from the stage, you know? Like I went to check them out in a show and the whole the whole group blew me away. I get that when I go see Rhyme Sayers. Rhyme Sayers like a 20th anniversary, man. I went to see the man and it was like atmosphere, Brother Ali, they, oh. had, evid- they had evidence, evidence. they had, yo, man. They had a bunch of things. I mean, they were like, they had MCs, man, fuck. They were roasting the whole roster. And they wasn't one vein only. So I, that's, to me, Rhyme Sayers has always been a favorite of mine. So, yeah, Griselda's coming up, and we do support them. We've been playing a lot of them before they would know. Now, the Fresh Prince. Now, of course, you know, going by his government name, Will Smith. The most rhymingest dude ever, man. This dude, man, you have to tell, I mean, especially when he was young, he was the most rhymingest dude in my life. To the point, like, yo, dude, Will, will you kind of, like, shut up, man, for a minute? Dude would rhyme all damn day. Like like Magic Johnson, they said, when he was coming up, he dribbled the ball all day in the hood. <laughs> Will Smith is rhyming all goddamn day. And Jeff, and Jeff when he's young, he on the turntables all goddamn day. So they, before people knew them as TV, TV stars or whatever, he's the rapper, he's the DJ, for real. Nas. Oh, precision. Nas is, Nas is, uh, he's that jazz cat man who's going to stick to his execution. It's too easy to call him Miles Davis. Um, if I had to compare him to a jazz cat, seriously, I would say, yeah, Miles is ranks. Miles ranks with that sensibility of like, he is, he is that guy, man, inside and outside. This This is what exudes out of him. They, a lot of people that line with Nas, man. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z would be not Miles Davis, but name somebody who's even more. Oh, Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's Jay. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Wow. Herbie Hancock. Yes, the deal. Nas is Miles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, guess what? Miles is the one that got her, that put Herbie on. So kind of like you know, like Jay changes rhyme style. Kind of like. You know? <laughs> not, hey, listen. Say what all you want to say, man. The, they, uh, Nas came in with Elmatic, so everything happened after that. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, now Black Thought. <laughs> Woo! Black Thought. Marvin Gaye? <laughs> Technician. Technician. Acid. He, he, black, black thought will take and change the chemistry of, 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 of your composition, man, with him, with himself. And one more person who has his catalog, Kendrick Lamar. Great. Great. I think, um, and then at the same time with Kendrick Lamar, and I played concerts with him. 
being able to handle the burden <laughs> that everybody bestows on him as being the conscious lyricist of this particular time. I'd like to see Kendrick Lamar put together some groups too. Well, Black Hippie? He got Black, Black Hippie. Absol, yeah, Black Hippie. Absol, Black Hippie. Yeah, when, when they actually come together and Sirius is like, this is the Black Hippie Project 1, 2, 3, and 4, instead of always getting to that point and then never really kind of like fermenting that and making it what it should be. That's I think that's the only thing that Kendrick Lamar got. He should be orchestrating, you know, a movement of acts like him. Wow. And and I wanted to ask you, there's been so many MCs. Who's the one MC that deserved that recognition that that never got it from any, you know, because your career has gone 35, span uh -huh, 35 yeah. years. In that time, who's that one? Or maybe if you want to name a couple MCs that are like, why has this cat, this cat really been We'll go on all day long, man. But I know one thing, KRS-One is the only MC I ever know that changes the composition of the room. Yeah, yeah. Nobody really ever wanted from him. And also they'll, the say, oh, they'll come up with all kinds of excuses, man. But if KRS-One walks in a room and everybody got the occupation as MC, they strip in that title. They 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 hide it. They're like, yeah, I, I, I drive for UPS. I ain't really an MC. Like, <laughs> I've never seen anything like him, man. Ever, ever. And whoever won it is gonna get it. It's, it's better to deny it and look the other way, like he don't exist. Because if you look his way and say that you do it, he bringing it. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And um, guy who actually who I dig, you know. I think, I mean, come on, there's so many, but Joel Ortiz. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I like his sports analogies. I like, you know, acrobatic from, from Boston, you know. Mm-hmm. And another cat that's big on sports, who's an artist like yourself, and also from the Queens, Long Island area, area Farrell Monch, too. Monch is the first dude, man, I heard talk about medicine, man, in a song, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And diabolical gases and hypnotics. <laughs> yeah, man. It's... Yeah, my mosh. I got to give a big up to once again before we get off to my man, Jahi, because... Yes, indeed. Jahi, man, he's a veteran spitter, but, you know, it's one of these people that people don't know his name. He could take it right from the stage straight to the museum and then curate a school and teach school. And he teaches schools, he curates museums, and, and he'll spit in front of 20,000 people. Ooh. And he just made a great record with Enemy Radio, so. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And the album, the album from Enemy Radio, you know, called yeah. Loud yeah. is Not Enough. Loud is Not Enough because, you know, there's a lot of people just think you, you could turn up the volume, but if you ain't saying nothing, you just talking loud. It's loud is just not enough. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And 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 in music, and in music, if you play too loud, a lot of musicians play too loud. Uh -huh. And like you said, it's 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 just not enough because music is all about dynamics. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. Sometimes the 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 best thing. Uh, here's another one of my favorite favorites, and I'm biased, but I played the world with this brother for years. Mm -hmm. Be real. Cypress uh -oh. Hill, and my co-rhyming partner in Prophets of Rage. Yes, I call him the shaman, man. 
And be real, man. Let me tell you, man. I've been in audiences where be real would break it down, set it up, talk to an audience in Spanish, kick it to them in Spanish and English, and just be powerful with his rhymes. Because a lot of times, a lot of people think be real is just coming like this. No, that's just one of his voices, man. But when he got to adapt that 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 style and that voice to to what the the terrain is, dude's the ultimate spitter, man. He, he's no bullshit. But I'm biased too. But I'm telling you the truth. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. You know, and Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill has changed the world, man, because they were able to go to so many places that, you know, most hip hop artists really couldn't go and be accepted for that. And um, they changed the world. They made it possible for. Rage Against the Machine and people like that. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Wow. But uh, Mr. Mister Chuck. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we got to do part two, man. So. Oh, oh, no doubt. Anytime. Anytime. Let me know. Let me yeah. know. Absolutely. Oh, man. I'm glad, I, I, I'm glad I was able to catch up and finally do this. I know I didn't move on with the rest of my day. Although we'll be in the seat, but I got my basketball hoop to get my aerobics in and everybody okay. just try to, you know, eat the right foods and take care of your mind, bodies, and your souls. Yes, indeed. It's important. It's important yeah. for sure. And, yeah. uh, and it's my honor and pleasure, such an honor and pleasure to interview you and talk with you. And, and I appreciate, like, I've, like I said, appreciate your support and your love for what I do and my craft yeah. and your mentor to me. I appreciate you for that. Yes, Anytime you get me at that next album, we're looking forward to the Nabate Isles um, catalog. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's coming. Definitely. I'm recording in the fall. It's, it's going to be there. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm cranking stuff out now, you know, especially with this quarantine. It helps. It helps the inspiration. Thank you. Thank for you. Thank you for getting me through this Zoom thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you all for listening to part two of the 17th edition of Where They At featuring the great Chuck D. What a great individual and someone that has been supportive of my sports media career as well as my musical career. What a great cat to have in your corner for sure. And if you like the music that you have heard throughout the episodes, you can go on N-A-B-A-T-E I-S-L-E-S dot com. That's nabateisles.com where my album, Eclectic Excursions is available. And you can also go to, to pick up the album and download it on Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Google Play, et cetera, et cetera. So feel free to check out the album in its entirety. And also please subscribe and or follow Where They At. And Where They At is available on a few podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher. And, and it's really been great to be able to uh, spread the word about the show. And please spread the word yourselves and feel free to, uh, to subscribe and or follow as well as rate the show. And make sure to check out past episodes where I interview elites Hall of Fame caliber athletes. And with Chuck D, it was the first to be able to feature an elite musical artist and entrepreneur as well. And definitely a sports fan too, but he's not retired because his career is still going strong. And make sure you check out his latest album with Enemy Radio called Loud Is Not Enough. Make sure to download that on any digital musical platform. So my name is Nabate House. Thank you all for listening. And remember, be safe, be healthy, 
and stay home as this storm of COVID-19 shall pass. Thank you once again. Take care. God bless.